Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and today I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Corey Baumeister. How's it going, bro? Oh, excuse me. Uh, did you say Corey Baumeister? It's Corey B underscore MTG Bradley. You know this. We're brothers. You should know my real name. I am not dealing with none of your shit today because I've got a lot of awesome topics I want to talk about. All but right. first, we have to say to all of you listeners out there that do not know, you can find this podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And that is not Skechers, that is Stitcher. And aisle seven of your local grocery store next to which the perishables. You, which, but, but, but make sure you're going up that aisle correctly. Yeah, yeah. And stay there. six feet apart. Yes, yes. Stay safe. <laughs> all right. So... Today we have uh, three news topics along with our main topic, but yes. before we get into any of that, we do have our very special guest to announce onto the show, and the reason that we our special guest is on the show today is, shit, I don't know. Hmm. Um, God, what make-believe reason did we give the cast this time? Hmm. Uh, it, it, is, it is because they are a valued member, no, that's not it. No, it's because they're really good at... No, no, that's no, not it. Um, um, because they make the best show... No, that's definitely not ooh, it. Oh, because they, they stare at... Well, no, no, that's not it. Ah, whatever. It's Brian Brown doing. How's yeah, it going, BBD? It. Yeah, it's going great, and I'm truly honored to be a valued <laughs> special guest on this, air quotes, podcast uh, <laughs> that you have put together. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really, truly a pleasure um. Yeah, it's yeah, it, no, it, it's, no, tr- it's truly an uh. uh it's this, it's, this, it's a <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I I'm happy to be here. Um, right. Brian, this, you this, you missed the air quotes. The air quotes were supposed to go over valued uh special guests, not over the podcast, quote unquote. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the, the this this quote unquote podcast you know they, they they said it would it would never last a year and a half no they never you know, they, didn't, they, they never said that actually <laughs> oh they didn't no they never did oh, oh okay well yeah. did they say anything about us no, they, they never listened in the first place right yeah they, they never said a word yeah <laughs> they never said a single oh. word yeah our oh. viewers have had high hopes though our listeners not so much all right well uh, viewer <laughs> All right, now now before we get into everything, we do have three awesome news topics to discuss before we get to our main topic, which is Yorion in standard. <laughs> so so to alert you all, we have a very very awesome topic to discuss, which is Yorion in standard as our main topic. But before we get into that, eighty uh, it'll it'll come about eighty minutes into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, you say that with a negative uh, little feel to it, Brad. Yorion is life. I am so pumped for this main topic. Hashtag sponsored. All right, so before that, we do have uh, a word from our advertiser. Hey, Corey, how's it going? I'm great, bro. How about you? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Brad, I said I'm doing great. I'm just about to actually play in an online magic tournament. Well, have you heard of MTG Melee before? Yes, Brad. That's pretty much all you talk about it. And that is also where my tournament is being held. Well, did you know that there are daily tournaments on MTG Melee ran by almost 300 organizers that currently use the website? Yes, Brad. That I just said that's what I'm doing. All you have to do is make an account at mtgmelee.com and find a tournament you're interested in. I know, I know, Brad. It's that easy. But what if I don't want to play in tournaments? Well, you can become a tournament organizer and run them yourself. 
on our homepage, there's a link to apply. Okay, but I'm not really MTG sure. MTG Melee, your number one source for organizing and playing online magic tournaments. Hashtag sponsored, bro. Hey, also, how much are we getting paid for this commercial? Oh, you're not getting paid for this. Oh, oh okay. Well, I mean, I guess that is fair and accurate for what we're worth. MTG Melee, sign up today. All right, and on that topic of of, of advertisement, we, we do want to say that uh, it is one of our three news topics. Um, not advertising? Exactly, yes, advertising is one of our news topics. No, huh. um, MTG Melee uh, is actually going to be hosting a really awesome tournament series called Red Bull Untapped. Woo, I remember that. It is back. Yeah, I remember, I remember it too. I did, not, I did not participate because it was at midnight. Uh, I know Brian did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I, you did I, pretty well, right, Brian? I did well enough to stay up till 7 a.m. <laughs> not well enough to get anything. <laughs> well, you were already staying up till 7 a.m., so it was just a, a, a neutral even break even for you there, I feel. Was it? I don't I don't know if I classified as such. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, me no. it was I, I might have played in a different so there's the Red Bull and Tap tournament. I think I played in the Red Bull Stasis tournament. <laughs> I only untapped like one thing per per upkeep, but yeah. Yeah, wow. so so the Red Bull Untapped uh, series is run by Tournament Center, which is uh, EU centric. Um, so the tournaments do happen at a a kind of rough time for North American time zones, but that's that's because. So can people from the UK not play in Red Bull Untapped then? Oh, I didn't think about that, but yes, they can. Um, uh, so, so how this how this tournament series works for anyone that does, hasn't heard yet, there are sixteen online qualifier events that are going to be running all summer into the fall, and those are all going to be on MTG Melee. Some of them are going to be regionalized to certain countries, while others are going to be open to everyone. Now, there is a tournament on, on May sixteenth. That's the first one that is open to everyone, and so far there is uh, between two two thousand and twenty five hundred people already registered for that event. Yikes. Yeah, it is crazy. I hope that we can handle it. How many rounds um, is that? Uh, so the structure of this event is eight rounds cut. They did, they haven't explained what the cut is to. Okay. But it is eight rounds of Swiss on day one. Um, and then there'll be a cut. And then day two is in entirely single elimination until there's a winner. Oh, I, I heard how it was. It was it was eight rounds. Then they just cut Brian Brown doing, yeah. even if he's not playing. And then they played day two as normal, right? I do believe that that is incorrect, but oh, okay. so now this tournament series is going to qualify 16 people. Each event is going to have a winner that gets something um, that gets some prizes and a qualification. And later this year, there will be a safe, safely run 16 player event uh, with a total cash prize of $75,000. $125,000 are going to be given out throughout um, the 16 qualifiers. So there's a lot of money up for grabs, a lot of, um, you know, competitive outlets online. And um, it's 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 just a pretty cool series all around. Having Untapped, having Red Bull come back to sponsor a tournament series is really cool for Magic. And last year it was only four tournaments. Uh, this year it's sixteen. So that I yeah. think this is really cool, and it's going to span all summer long. So well, I, um, I kind of feel like people aren't doing enough uh, with different tournament structures. Like I, I like this, like you know, cut and then single elimination structure. I think that's a cool structure. And I, I actually like want to propose even more tournaments with a similar structure. Like I, I want to run a, a sixteen player tournament with 
uh, 46 rounds of Swiss, followed by <laughs> followed by a cut to the top 15, which is then played out single elimination. So. Imagine if you were that one person that played 46 rounds and you're like, God dang it, I didn't make the cut. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually do, especially for online tournaments. Um, there's, there's, I mean, I know that's a joke, but... I do like a lot of the new structures coming out. One of them I don't like is double elimination brackets, though, because magic decks are just already like built. So when you get to them, if you lose to the same person, magic decks, magic decks are built. Sorry, great <laughs> advice from the back. Get it from the Bash Bros podcast. You will not get that anywhere else on the on the you, internet. Yeah. You heard it here first. All yeah. these Yorian decks are eighty cards, and they are built. built. They are oh, indeed yes. built. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do you know what I'm saying? All right, I'll I'll I'll, I'll try to describe that way better. Please um, do. <laughs> they, they, so so you. One of the one of the skills in magic is not just playing, it's bringing the right deck to the table. So sometimes matchup dependency is a real thing. For example, like, you know, I was playing Simic Flash, three Simic Flash decks top aided uh, Mythic Championship seven and Paolo was fires, which is the deck that that preys on. So like because it's double elimination, Paolo is probably going to lose to a flash deck and then lose to a flash deck. And and to me, it, once that second matchup happens again, it's not always that interesting. I do like single elimination brackets and, and stuff like that, or double elimination with like a much bigger pool. I just never like Swiss cutting to a very small number of people double elimination brackets. Mm. Um, that's, well, that's the only tournament structure I don't like, but I do like the structure of like cutting half the field and then doing double elimination or play to X losses or something like that. Yeah, yeah I think any way to take out tiebreakers is usually what I, you so, know, just... Missing on breakers sucked so bad for whatever cuts. I, I throw this out there, but I've wanted them to switch Grand Prix to a different system for a very long time, uh, which I knew they were never going to do because it's so ingrained and it, they don't like to switch things up on a whim with whatever. But I wanted a Grand Prix structure to be you play like 15 rounds or whatever it is. Anyone who gets X amount of wins, so like 13 or whatever, whatever, like the X and two cut that like often is for the top eight of those tournaments. Um, anyone who gets that amount of wins is immediately removed from the tournament and into the top eight. Um, but it like mm. basically top wouldn't X. top X. Yeah. And then and then yeah. top X is played a single elimination um, or whatever. And that way it's like, you know, it gets rid of all the tiebreakers. It gets rid of the like people scooping to each other because every time you're every round that you play in the tournament you're still playing for something or if you're not playing for anything, you're no longer in the tournament, you know, like to play. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. So, and and I so, think that basically what I'm going for is I like the structure of some amount of rounds followed by single elimination. Um, I, I, I don't know if it needs to be a deterministic amount of just anything that gets rid of like that kind of tiebreaker type stuff is, is, is a big plus for me. And I, oh, I agree with you on I the agree. double double. I agree completely about double elimination where it doesn't really make as much sense for magic as other games where just, yeah, like if there's like an 80, 20 matchup and it's a double elimination tournament, someone's probably just going to get 80, 20 twice, you know? like Yeah. And, and for other games, it's great because like where the, the skill is involved, like we've seen upsets because strategies are changed, but we can't change our strategy. We can yeah. change our sideboarding, based on information and there is a metagame there but it's it's a little less interesting and it has it to would, be done correctly it would be more interesting to do double elimination if players had agency and which deck they got to choose 
Um, but since that doesn't really exist in Magic, where you're locked in on your deck for an entire tournament, most tournaments... Um, well, I guess the Invitational was that way, right? Like, didn't you guys get to choose for that? No, like, what? I'm saying, like, I'm... So, like, for a fighting game, somebody loses to a player, and then they get paired against that player later in a tournament, and they just choose a different champion. You know? Yeah, but, like, like, for... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm saying that, like, you know, if you could change what deck you were playing in a tournament, like from a round to round standpoint, which is something that could be done now that people are playing on like arena tournaments and stuff, yeah. that would make that would make these kind of matchups more interesting because there would be like a, okay, I lost this player and they were playing this deck before. Let me switch to a different deck, but then yeah. they also can switch their deck too, you know? Wasn't that what the Mythic Invitational was, though? Didn't you guys get to have two best of one decks where you got to switch? No. So no, that was oh, that was duo that, standard where you would have to you would just get randomly picked which deck you submitted for game one, and so would they. And then you would play two games, and those matchups uh, would locked in, and then you'd get to yeah. pick which deck if there was a tiebreaker game. That's not oh, okay, yeah, okay. that's not what I'm I talking knew it was about. Something like, like that. That's like you have exactly two decks to choose from, and you also don't even get to choose which deck you're playing. It's what. Like yeah. Also, yeah. Yeah, and also that metagame broke down real bad where you just have to pick two decks that can't be exploited. So almost everyone rolled up with uh, a variant of Esper Control or Teamer Reclamation and an aggressive deck. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 like Esper White Weenie was the most common duo because it was difficult for you to then select your deck for the last game. Now, if you showed up with you know Esper Control for both of them, and someone had Team Erect. They would always just throw Team Erect as the last one. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember it not being a great system, but I I knew that was like kind of the the segue where they kind of tried something like that. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we could we we could probably save this for another episode because we could talk about um, all of these like different structures. That would actually be kind of a fun episode. I don't know if if you think at home that that would be interesting, let us know on, on social media. Yeah, Brad, save it for the next cast, man. <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, so, so well, I was trying to make that joke, but most people don't know that joke. Now, now the bash Bros podcast does a pre-show and the only people that have access to that are those that are on the appropriate tier in our Patreon. Yeah. And that is where we are setting up our show and organizing our notes and getting things ready. And also just making a lot of terrible, literal shit jokes yeah yes, um, it's mostly yes, yes. just really bad shit jokes and when i say shit i mean shit not like the jokes are bad but they're about yeah no the jokes are bad yeah, yeah. i compared yeah, no, my, it's both. I, I, I compared my morning movement okay this, no let's yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Save, save it for the pre-show brad save it for the pre-show please yeah, yeah. The, you know you gotta pay to get that kind of qu- quality content you can't just be giving it away in the cast that's man. true so if you want to go support us and also listen to a good snippet from each episode <laughs> you can do that on <laughs> on yeah. patreon.com but i'm gonna sip this one off and go to our next uh news topic one one thing i do want to say re- regarding to the red bull and tapped event is it was so awesome that final event it was it such was a fun. huge deal it was like reed duke was commentating i know like javier dominguez made it to like the top four yep. the production value was insane so this is a tournament that i really want to be a part of you know the starting at 3 a.m thing for uh uh the united states things is a little tougher but for sure, if you can handle staying up that late or, you know, if you're in Europe or anything like that, where the time zone is perfect, this is a great tournament to Look, play. In. I, I'm not I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm pretty sure here's here's how I think it's going to play out. We at MTG Melee are going to crush this and this event is going to run awesome and people are going to be like, holy shit. 
this is an awesome way to run big tournaments and play mm-hmm. in them. And then other people are going to be like, holy shit, we should get in this. And then other awesome things are going to come through uh, the platform. And a lot of awesome online tournaments are going to start. That's that's honestly what I believe is going to happen. But we will see how that plays out in 10 days. Holy shit, it's 10 days away. All right. Let's stop talking about your shits, Brad. No, I'm just saying. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So so the next, the next uh, topic that I want to talk about, this will be a little bit shorter. It is just the announcement of the third historic anthology on Arena. Now, what this is, is a collection of cards that are not on Arena that they bring to Arena to go into the historic format. You can purchase this um on arena in the store um and this is just adds a bunch of cards to your collection for a reasonable price but that can be played in historic now i might disagree with some of the cards that they pick but i do like the what they're trying to do like for example i just think burning tree emissary why the hell does that need to be somewhere like why do you just add burning tree emissary to a format and people are gonna have fun with it you know it um, should be somewhere it should be in the trash can bro. yeah, yeah it's and, and so now like the gruel deck is like one of the best decks because it has burning tree and sometimes like you'll go like turn one the uh experiment one that's standard legal uh, whatever. Yeah, what was the theme on this anthology? Was it like every card that I've ever hated playing against? It's like <laughs> it's like it's like Burning Tree Emissary, Ulamar. It's like no, 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 no. Burning Tree's already it wasn't two. Oh, yeah. it wasn't two. I don't, okay. I don't actually know what's in the third historic anthology. I looked it up. I know Ulamar's coming back. I don't think they've announced all of them because it comes out in a week or two. Um, but the but the big part of this announcement is that, and the reason we're bringing it up is that with that. Um, Historic will just be live for ranking and playing on Arena all the time. Uh, We've seen them um, try to gatekeep a lot of the formats on Arena, like Brawl and Historic and some limited formats and and deploy them at certain times. And one of the things they've been doing is when a new set is released on Arena, that's when Historic gets turned off for six weeks. So people play Mm. Standard and then it comes back for the end of the format when things dry up. But the problem is, is people are starting to really enjoy Historic. Now, Jeff Hoogland ran a a tournament with a cap of 256 people um, with Historic right before Ikori came out. And um, that, that like, that capped out in a day and a half or two days, like the amount of people, maybe three. Um, and and it was, a you know, an over 200-person Historic event. And then, you know, it gets it gets shut off right now. And that kind of sucks because it's, it's building um, a following, the format is. So yeah. Wizards is like, you know what? People are liking this. We shouldn't just keep turning off and on this format that people are starting to enjoy. Let's let them like this thing. Let's keep it on. Let's see how it goes. Because we talked about this in an earlier cast. Brian brought it up yeah. where um, you can you can just reiterate if you want to. Yeah, the basic reiteration is that there is there is value in not having things all the time. Um, yeah, having some uh, some rotation of what events that you can play at all times is is actually oftentimes actually a good thing. So that's why they do that. If they just have this, if they just have everything that can be played at all times, uh, some some things people will just not play, and people won't be excited to play them. And then like, you know, they'll just not get yeah. played. Like. <clears throat> I, I'm not explaining it very well. Just listen to whatever our previous cast was. We, we <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. One, one thing I will say is, you know, Magic Online, the big value for me and that I think a lot of players have is the fact that you can go to these legacy leagues. You can play these popper events. You know, you you do have an option to play all these things and they may not be super popular at the time, but people love to play their specific format. Some people just love popper, you know, some people are going to love historic. So I think it's just a net positive to just give people options to do it. I get it. You know, the whole, uh, 
point we made before that, you know, it's not as exciting when you get it all the time. But I am kind of on the other side of that. I just think let people play what they want to do in the game that we well, all like. I, I think that I think there's a big difference between constructed and limited, and one of them is limited. And we're yeah. seeing that in we're seeing constructed events doing that on arena. They they did hold back on a few. But the burning question everyone has on their mind right now, Corey, is what's something you wouldn't say? What's something I wouldn't say? I, I wouldn't say that this is a good podcast, you yeah. know? Uh, that, that's a great answer. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Brian? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say that this is even an okay podcast. But. <laughs> that's like cheating off me for the answer. Come on, Brian. You can do better than that. No, right, I can't. Uh, that's why this podcast right. isn't a good podcast. Okay, let's... Uh, our last... Our, our, our last uh, topic is the announcement Wizards had about their unveiling of five different um, VOD shows that go straight to social media or to YouTube, um, and, you know, as a response to not having a lot of content coming from tournaments right now. So yep. Wizards, just like everyone else in, in the world right now, is scrambling to re-identify um, based on current affairs and... Uh, one of their decisions was they have this really, uh, well, mostly talented core I, group of commentators. I think they're and, all and, and very Marvel handsome. Staff. They're is all it? very handsome and beautiful people that are all so smart and intelligent. Every single one of them from every single show. It's really impressive work. Is it a Wizards. core group of of people or is it a core group? Yeah. Oh, God, that's the same. <laughs> All right, so so from that, they, they've started producing a lot of content, and we're starting to see it trickle out. Now, last week was the Advantage Bar. I thought trickled. Ooh. I thought trickle down content didn't work as a as an idea. Yeah, didn't Reagan <laughs> teach us that? Or wait, was that the president? It trickle was. Down? It yeah, was. I'm, pr- I'm, I'm really lesson. proud of you, Corey. I really am. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I pay attention in class. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so the Advantage Bar came out. Now that's a show that you're on, bro. So can you uh, yeah. give us a little? into what the advantage bar is yeah so the advantage bar is a show where maria cedric riley and myself or corbin uh talk about standard and the evolving metagame each week and kind of you know uh talk about the channel fireball weekend chip or weekend championships events see kind of what deck is being played why that is and just really a deep dive into standard and metagame shifts about it and uh, it's been a really cool show. It's been a blast to do. Um, comes out every Friday uh, in the afternoon on uh, for Eastern time, around noon Eastern time. Great. All right. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, I watched the first episode and I have I have one big complaint. Now, you kind of killed it with uh, a lot of your talking points. So congratulations, Corey. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, but one of the things that really tilted me was Cedric. Uh, after you talked about something was like, I think you're stupid for ever considering not playing a companion when you were talking <laughs> yeah. about team reclamation. And then literally 20 minutes later says, I think my hot take for the format is flash decks hash, you know, quote unquote, non-companion decks are going to really start surging up in this format. And I'm like, <laughs> pick a lane, Cedric. Yeah, well, to be fair, it was a bold prediction. So it, it was bold and it was wrong, you know, but you well, know what? My Cedric bold prediction was bold wrong as takes. well. <laughs> hey, he's made a good career out of it. You can't uh, oh, fault the man for that. I agree, but, but I <laughs> caught him. I caught him with his hand in the cookie jar and he was attacking my baby brother. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for <laughs> thanks for getting my back, Brad. I appreciate yeah. you. All right, so uh, he's so, attacking your baby brother, Corey B. MTG. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and he would not score MTG, and he would not stand for that. 
No, <laughs> hell no, hell no. All right, so then um, another another one of the shows that's coming out between, uh, it comes out on social media every Tuesday through Friday called The Magic Minute. Now, Becca Scott, Becca Scott just talks about magic for a minute. The first one came out yesterday for this podcast today when we're recording it, and it was pretty good. And I think that just having a minute worth of fun, you know, lighthearted content is is a nice you know breather yeah, yeah no kidding when you whenever you get content like we give out it's like an hour and a half of just dull bs but becca just nails it in one minute we need to get her to the cast oh it's yeah. not an hour and a half Corey. it's an hour and 20 minutes um <laughs> but yeah no I, I did watch it i honestly i was a little confused by the content on it but i thought it was really good because i i, I heard it was about luca and and then i watched it and it it wasn't about the NBA at all. And I just didn't get it. Yeah, it wasn't anything about Super Smash Bros. either, where Luca is kind of dominating there. Uh, you know, one of the best fighting characters. So I was confused as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Another one of the shows that the Wizards <laughs> is producing is called The Profiles. Um, and that's two words. Profiles. Yeah. Pro, it's Prof and Isles. Wow, that's a uh, great pun. Who's producing that show? <laughs> yeah. God. <laughs> it's Richard Hagen. Oh, wow. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. I'm shocked. Now, now, The Profiles is uh, a weekly show where Rich Hagen interviews uh, members of the Magic Pro League. Now, I uh, have not done one yet, and I don't even know if anyone has, but the show is scheduled to come out soon. Yeah. I don't know of anyone who has done any of those yet. Wow. Yeah. Did they really pick Brian and if, Brown doing over Brad Nelson? And and if I did know, I do not know if I'm allowed to say. Same. Like, I don't know of anyone who's been on the show, but were I to know of a person who's been on one of these profile episodes, I wouldn't probably be allowed to say anything about it. <laughs> You guys, yes, I've already told you I am on the advantage bar. You guys okay. don't have to dance around it. Okay, gotcha. it is right. out already. Okay, Corey's I don't know what you advantage. guys are talking about. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got outside <laughs> notes. Marshall talks about limited, blah, blah, blah. Boring, boring, boring. What is, um, is is limited where they play 40 less cards than you should play, right? 20 less. Sometimes. sometimes depending on how lucky you get. Sometimes 40, yeah. 20 less depending if you got lucky. <laughs> okay, um, okay. Yeah, but no, I actually I actually watched kind of skip through to see this content, and it looks very good for people that like limited. I liked the way it looked and felt. Uh, it seemed really well done. Also, Marshall makes really good content. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I think Marshall's uh, show is awesome. I'm with you where I'm not really in love with limited, so it's not for sure for me, but just overall how it's done and stuff was you know excellent yeah you'll like um, you'll like the way i you'll like the way it looks i guarantee it damn it i butchered that so <laughs> <laughs> right, and, then, and then rogue refinery the last show is alias v and paul Chian, uh where they're talking about the more new and fringe decks from all the formats like kind of kind of the cutting edge or slash fun so taking a step away from the decks that actually win and discussing all the decks that don't. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and that one, <laughs> that one just came out yesterday as well. Uh, oh, I missed that. If you're hearing, yeah, just came out. Well, today, but um, right as we started the cast, uh, it came out. And oh, it, okay. I started so I watching it. Job. Yeah, I did it my job. Good. It just came out right now. Okay. Yeah, if you're yeah, interested exactly. in watching about a variety of decks that will not be winning any games in standard, <laughs> go free <laughs> to check or out Auditor Pioneer. Check out the Rogue Refinery. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so those are the five things. So, uh, you can go to MTG Esports to see the article about that, and also uh, just follow all of them. Follow them on YouTube uh, or subscribe to them on YouTube, and then you can uh, do all of that. But let's actually uh, let's let's wind it up and start talking about our main topic. 
Um, our main topic is on Yorian specified. Oh yeah, specified for standard. Now, this is a topic that a lot of people might not want to talk about or listen to, but we are going to break this into a couple parts. Um, the first part, we're just going to talk about the history of it in standard. The second, we're going to talk. Honestly, I kind of just want to. I want to get real and talk about like all the negative impacts that the, the the positive into negative impacts this is having on standard. And then the third, let's actually try to break down the possible ways to combat it and 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 strategize. So um, yeah, good luck trying to stop your end, Brad. I'd love to hear your take on that one. Yeah, all right. So 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 I'm, just I'm a to, big fan of Thoughtseize as a good answer to Orion. Oh, oh, are you? Um, yeah. that doesn't work. Also, <laughs> also any of these new uh hand disruption spells that also can look at the graveyard can't look at the companion zone. Also not um, legal, you idiot. Wow, so dumb. Thoughtseize is not legal. Hey, 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 hey. we 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 don't we don't throw around the word idiot around here. Okay, sorry. sorry Moron sorry. is much more appropriate. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Buffoon would also work. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So for a little bit of a backstory on Yoria, and it came out and it looked fun and cool. It was a you know an Azorius four or five companion that you have to add more cards to your deck, and the argument of adding cards to a deck has always been don't do it. Um, and the only time we really saw any success from it was whether it was Battle of Wits that did top eight some tournaments, including William Jensen top eighting a Grand Prix with it, um, and also winning a Grand Prix in uh, California was uh, who, who won that tournament? Um, I have no idea. We, 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 we ben Rubin. Ben Rubin, yes. Ben Rubin won with a 64 card Obzon, five color Obzon Fetch Dual Land strategy and it was just there so the mana was perfect yeah okay also let's not forget uh grand prix nashville 2014 i want to say where there it was a team sealed tournament and that i'm just going to tell this very fast story it was it uh it was me michael majors and chris van meter that were teaming together and we're in contention for top four because it was cut to top four as a team tournament and uh, we're playing a feature match in the feature match area, and my opponent pile shuffles my deck uh, when I present it to them. This is before all the pile shuffling stuff. And asked me, 41 cards in your deck? And I said, yep. And <laughs> Majors is like, what, you're playing 41? And Chris, and then Chris is like, I'm also playing 41. And Majors is like, what the hell? <laughs> like, <laughs> two teammates who both are playing 41 cards without consulting me about it. Like, <laughs> and Majors is just pissed. Yeah, huh? Majors is like, oh my, like, what did I sign up for? What the hell? <laughs> and now if you say, oh, you wait, you're playing 60 cards, you idiot. You yeah. idiot. Yeah. So, so that that's the thing. So when the, when it came out, it was kind of like this kitschy four color deck. Now you did really well with with it on um, E-League that first week. But it was oh, a yeah. it was a four-color fires deck with some ramp aspects, um, all the colors but black. Um, mm-hmm. Ramp aspects that was kind of centered around Planeswalkers and using Fey of Wishes granted uh, with that Wish target sideboard with with all of the, the new ultimatums. And, and, you know, it was a really kind of fun time for the format. It was just starting off. 
Um, and the Yorian decks look really cool. Now, as things kind of settled down, it kind of transitioned to a Bant Ramp Yorian deck was the best deck in the format. And that kind of lived there for a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, and this deck was potentially the best deck. And a lot of people were saying that it's going to be maybe the, the best deck for the, the history of the format because it's so well built. But and then, it was built by Piotr Glukowski. So, of course, it's got to be a sick deck. Was was he the first one to build yep, it? or Sure was. You mean, are you talking about that top eight? No, uh, the Bant Ramp deck was definitely just debuted by uh, uh, Piotr Glukowski on his stream. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, and then, and then, um, and then we had the final iteration that came out from Crokey's, I do believe, which is last week on like Wednesday, he started streaming and winning with a Jeskai Fires deck with Luca. Narset's Luca, some Wraths, uh, things like that. And the reason it played Luca was it played token generators like uh, Birth of Miletus, Omen, the White Omen, Elspeth, um, the the Castle, uh, and and all of these token, uh, the the Shark 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 Typhoon, and all these tokens would allow you to play a Luca minus two exiling the token, and you'd always search for an Agent of Treachery. Um, and this was still just a basically like control deck with Elspeth Conquers Death and and shatter and things like that. But it always had this late game where it just starts going agent after agent after agent. And now yeah. the disgusting thing you can do with a deck like that, especially with fires is when you put an agent into play, like if you, let's say, let's just say you played fires on turn four. If you untapped on turn five, you didn't even have a token. You could make a token with a castle, play yeah. a Luca, get an agent, Yorion, blinking the agent and blinking the Luca. And like that could just take two of their lands. And, and that's the game a is bad over. draw. And that's a bad draw because it real realistically, I mean, the ridiculous things you can do is turn five. If you already had a token, go Luca, you know, get an agent, steal something, Yorian, blink out the fire and the agent, and then like play a mythos, you know, or play a Elspeth Conger's death to kill something else where you get that extra spell. And you can I mean, even, you can yeah. even play another Luca and sacrifice the Yorian to get another agent. And then you exactly. get three agent triggers that turn. Yeah. Uh, so and re real talk for a hot second. Should they just stop printing good common to play abilities on creatures? Like, just period. I mean, like, <laughs> think about like Agent of Treachery seven mana for a threat for not threatened, but like uh, a gain control, control of a permanent. And like seven mana for gain control of a permanent is just not a good rate. But because it's attached to a creature and you can just abuse the creature nature of the card, Agent's just a really messed up card. Yeah, yeah. I think Definitely I think good. the I think the weird thing about this format or, or or magic design lately is that once Planeswalkers came in into uh, the game, you had to start playing creatures that either had haste or come into play abilities or right. leave abilities, right? And and yeah. it really pushed out like the five fives for five with like a tap ability like Palucranos the Vizarra kind of cards. Pal yeah, Palucranos, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Vizarra, things like that just got pushed completely out of the format. And then you know you had to make powerful creatures that interacted. And the balance between the creatures you have to play to compete against Planeswalkers and the Planeswalkers being able to compete against the creatures kind of put us in this weird shit show of a format. Yeah. Um, or, or, or just kind of design space. And I feel like it does need to be lifted. I think you're right, Brian. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind coming to play effects on creatures that thus was needed to be planeswalkers, but like things like things like steal a permanent, it's just, it just seems a little too much. Like, and I mean, we did have, oh, sorry, finish your thing. Sorry yeah. Like, I don't mind. Like, if the coming to play thing is like deal five to a planeswalker or whatever, like, that's a great coming to a play effect on a creature or like, 
even like a siege rhino effect where it's like drain you know like that's that's fine you know like that kind of stuff like I, i'm not saying like don't print come into play effects on creatures i'm just saying that stealing a permanent it you know you could yeah. make agent of treachery cost 20 mana and this deck would still function kind of you know like it's it's just i don't know i uh, sorry it's kind of an off-topic rant but it just no, it, something it's, it's yeah. true because 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 creatures are more abusable and let's like let's sidestep the yorian conversation real quick and talk about the other way that that agent's being cheated into play which is uh Wynota. Wynota is a two colors red white four four human that has a very unique ability it says whenever you attack with a non-human creature look at the top six cards of your library and you may put a human into play attack tapping and indestructible for the turn so would you um, describe that as the rider text on Winona? I, 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 yes, yes. I have, I have, uh, I've heard all of the Winona rider jokes already. Um, <laughs> not all of them. Cause I, we're going to fire a few more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm closing my eyes and picturing it and I can just see Brian shitting and grin. Oh yeah. I'm, <laughs> you probably couldn't see it, but I'm just like snapping my fingers and doing some finger guns. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, Win- Winona, Winona is really good at getting Agent of Treacheries, but also really good at uh, finding her son when uh, they go to the Upside Down. You know, two very good things from Winona Riders. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. All right, so, but no, like, real talk. Um, last that night was I, real talk. All right, yeah. Tuesday, Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday night I was streaming this deck because uh, Matt Sperling 5-0'd a last chance qualifier for this, week, this upcoming um you know, uh, whatever their Magic Fest finals, um, and did it with a an updated version of the Jeskai Winota deck where with counters on the sideboard, yada, yada. We don't have to get into too deep on that. Um, but uh, I was playing this deck on stream, and there was a turn where I was, like, jockeying to get my Winota into play, and my, my Jeskai Luka opponent had to, like, tap out, and I had four tokens from two raise the alarms and I played Winota attacked hit three agents stole two lands and their creature drew nine cards on turn five and I'm like what the fuck is happening they have three lands to my seven and I'm discarding my ten card hand and I welcome and, to and, standard and 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 I'm still not even thinking about the fact that I have one ones a four four and three two threes in play right because creatures yeah. what's on the board doesn't matter because things get swept up so often you know it's yeah. it's once you trigger those agents the snowball has started the game is over and that's the problem with the luca yorian deck and also the the Winota deck is and even some other decks the snowballs are really tough to come back from yeah um, N- near impossible. You know, I mean, some of the decks are trying to play like Mythos of Aluna as kind of a way to hedge on that. Be like, okay, if I can't get to five mana because you stole my lands, at least I can get to four and like steal your Luka and then get another agent, maybe steal your Luka again and get another agent. Something like that where you can have something, have that effect on four mana instead of only five mana. That's really where we're at on standard is I need to think of a way on turn four to be able to steal lands back. Otherwise, I'm dead. I think that I I just think that snowball magic is just how magic is going to be because like London Mulligan promotes snowball magic because you get your nut draws way more often and Mm -hmm. recent design philosophy promotes snowball magic where um, like uh, cards are designed to be able to grind so long into a game where they have like early effects and late effects where you never run out of resources. And the only way to beat that kind of a de- th- those kinds of games is to just snowball over your opponent so that it doesn't matter how many resources they have and or go under them with like super fast aggro decks. And yep. so 
like I just think snowball magic is just like how things are are and I also think that snowball magic is the least fun kind of magic it, the personal opinion I mean people can vary Whoa. on it but like I've, yeah. I've always hated ramp decks ramp decks have always been my least fun kind of magic to play because ramp decks are just snowball magic like you just mm-hmm. you snow you like you snowball up to an advantage and then you your opponent can't beat your advantage like Tron is an example of that where it's like early turns are snowballing your mana base and then uh, you start playing Karns and Ulamogs, and it doesn't matter what your opponent does; they can never win. Like so, so one thing that you said there, like made me think of um, think of a few <laughs> things. Actually, I, I completely agree with you. And the the messed up thing about Snowball Magic is the rate nowadays that you have to invest mana into your card advantage, and that's getting smaller and smaller. And something happened yeah. on one of my streams where one of my opponents actually played a Trail of Crumbs, and my response was, "Paying mana for card advantage? What year do you think this is? Twenty nineteen." yeah i I thought it was a good singer too it is Um, it is a good singer. but but like that's just what's happening like you don't have to pay for your card advantage i played a four 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 and attacked with my creatures and all of a sudden i just get things yeah and i get them for free and i steal my opponent's resources and the game is over and while that's like really fun for a first time and while streaming it was a blast i was having a, i was having so much fun because i was sitting there saying what the fuck am i doing how is this legal how, how much fun was your opponent having how your opponent's yeah. having out of curiosity oh no I, the game is over you can see it and oh but to that point the snowball magic thing that you're saying um this philosophy started um in in i believe the green white tokens and you were the creator of that deck um but one of the things I heard uh, Jerry Thompson and Michael Majors talking about a lot back then was that the best way to play that deck is to never try to kill your opponent. Yeah, and which is and, which was correct. We're talking about green white tokens in the uh, era of shadows over Innistrad, Avacyn, uh Gideon. Gideon. Wasn't this Angels and Angles or something? Stupid? No, 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 no. Oh, also, I didn't. Before. I didn't create this deck, but I did. Yeah, cause us to play it for the pro tour, or had a, a huge influence on that. So okay, you tuned sure. it to the influence of of playing it. Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone else had a weaker list. You found the way to make it good. I remember you added yeah. a card to it that made it actually good. It might have been Sylvan Advocate. Yep, that's it, people were playing the two one, the one one for two mana that drew a card, Elvish Visionary. Elvish Visionary, yes, and you played Sylvan Advocate and it made it way better. And and Dromokas Command, they weren't playing Dromokas Command, but anyway, Holy that's shit. that's a that's a completely different. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah. So so by saying that, if that and that theory has only been exacerbated in Magic recently, um, a lot of the mid range decks, your goal, like Magic right now, you're not trying to kill your opponent. You're trying to generate more value, put them in a pinch, and and put them in a spot, bad spot. Every turn, you're trying to do stuff with ECD to fairy Yorion to make mm-hmm. their next turn miserable, and and never actually trying to win the game. Um, you'll eventually attack him with a Yorion and. And uh, whether it be like your agents or your Euros or what have you, you'll eventually win the game. But th- that is yeah. not a concern of yours until they're literally out of gas, out of resources. And you, you've you gained so much card advantage, it's over. But so yeah. when you say, I don't know how much fun that is to other people, how can, if you just think about it, how can magic be fun when the goal of the game is to kill your opponent, yet the best strategy is to not kill your opponent? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. Whenever I'm playing this Jeskai Yorian Fires list, I just win the game when both play. I mean, they're at 20. You know, I may be at 11 or whatever, but I've I've demoralized them so much by taking their permanents and having so many more Planeswalkers and permanents that they just concede out of sheer, you know, sadness. So 
with this, like having talked about this, where you know we talk about why, like what why this deck's good and and why the style of magic is good. Like, I guess the question that people are wondering, because I'm, I'm sure that you know other people are not having fun losing to this deck or whatever. Like, how how can people attack this deck in standard? <coughs> One, one thing I will say before we talk about how to attack this, I personally, I know BBD, you love like Esper Hero style decks, right? Like that was just your wheelhouse and you just really enjoyed it. Yeah. I I personally love this style of magic. It, it's really like creature combo, you know? So it, it reminds me a lot of like Felidar Guardian Sahili, where you're trying to play all these permanent base cards that kill creatures and you just, you play those to control the board and then like have Felidar Guardian to blink Oath of Chandra. I mean, now it's like Yorian to blink uh, the Red Omen to deal with creatures and then eventually gain so much of an advantage that you win on the spot. Now you don't win with an infinite combo like you did back then, but this really has a feel of Sahili copycat to me. Let me me have that deck. Yeah, yeah, you take it, Brian. Okay, I was just (laughs) there. Are are you like? Do you like this style of deck because it gets banned because it's too good, or because I mean, you actually I like? I really just like how it works. You know, I sure, I okay. love blinking stuff to gain incremental advantage. Advantage each turn is kind of like a little puzzle to shut some doors. Like this yeah. is a door shutting deck, right? Like you just want to make sure that they're not snowballing as much as you are snowballing. So every single turn, you have to think, okay, what is their best thing to do where they get to you know, kind of snowball their game plan and how can I be one step ahead to make sure that play is cut off? I just love that kind of magic and I don't, it, it's really for Corey, I feel, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't, I don't I, know how. You're I, also I, really I, good I just, at that too, so that. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if you're playing enough standard. <laughs> I think it'll, Dude, I, I like, have I have played I have played like thirty matches of this Luca um, standard deck since I saw it debuted on Saturday or whatever in the the weekend championship, yeah. and I'm like twenty seven and three. I have just been utterly dominating, and I I don't know I'm I must be getting lucky um, in some regard here, but it is just it feels like it's for me, and I well, understand what's sh- going on in standard well, you, pretty well. When you and, put yeah. great cards in your deck, you get lucky a lot more often. So yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, if if you've been playing it that much, ship me your list in a sideboard guide. <laughs> I gotcha, I gotcha. I gave yeah. my list to Ely Cassis to play uh, in E League tonight that I'm going to be commentating for. So we'll see uh, if he can take down you know Piotr Glukowski, who built the Bant Yorian list. And he's still on a streak right now. So who knows if it's the best version. But I do have a sideboard plan of, you know, just taking out fires, taking out shatter, bringing in a bunch of counter spells and trying to play on the fair axis. Yeah, that's that's Eli. the only thing, Brian. You might not know. Oh, go for it, Brian. Wait, Ely yeah. Cassis or E-League Cassis? It, well, hopefully it's Ely Cassis right now, but hopefully at the end of the show, it'll be E-League Cassis. Ooh. Ooh. All right. So so uh what I was gonna say though is Brian, you might not know this, but in the Luca Mirrors, um Fires is one of the most exploitable cards by your opponent. So the first person that plays it early can just get blown out. Okay. Because if you play a fires that let's say you play fires against me, and, and I go to my turn, I I play a Luca, I get an agent, I take your fires, and then I blink my agent and take your land. So you just deploy to fires, but now you only have three lands and I have your fires. Mm. And that and that play pattern is very consistent. So it's a liability to ever cast fires. So they board it out in the mirrors and even against like Bant and even Team Erec, like you just have to go to this counter plan. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just it's just weird that like you know such a powerful card like fires, but it's so exploitable because Agent of Treachery is in the format. Um, but it is it is random too because when you're on the play and you go turn four fires into something, and then as long as you can go turn five Luca, you know, steal a land or whatever, fires is still excellent because they just never get that point where they get to take it and then play something that matters. So early on in the game, it's still busted, and you can snowball a lot faster than your opponent if you're on the play. Yeah, if you don't get the if get a counter or to ferry or something like that. Um, yeah, but, but in yes. the Luca Mirror, there are no counters in game one, so game one oh, is a well, shit show. Yeah, game one. Yeah, game one is bad. And then after cyborg, <laughs> hey, stuff. then we should be talking about this in the pre-show, not in our actual podcast. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> All right, so if we talk seriously about ways to attack it, one of the things the the honest truths is I don't have a definitive answer for beating the these Luka Yorion decks for the main reason that um, we're at this spot, and I'm not saying that this is solidified, but this is like the hypothesis. We're at the spot where all the data that's coming in, and now MTG Melee does do a lot of like data in each tournament, you can look at how decks did. And I've mm-hmm. been noticing that um, the Luka Yorion, Yorion decks are just kind of resting as one of the more played decks and around a 60% win percentage. And which is the highest of the more popular decks now? Every once in a while, is kind of disgustingly high. Actually, I mean, I mean I, when it's when it's that I don't, many, I don't know what decks, our sample yeah. size is at this point. It might be too low to like. It's it, it is for, for sure too low to actually do anything. There was a 117 person tournament where 20 people, 19 people played the deck, and they they you know they were 20 percent of the field and they totaled with 60 percent, including mirror matches. So that mm. yeah, that's insane for that one tournament. Now. The format will shift over time, and maybe that percentage goes down as people figure out how to beat it. But if yeah. if, if it's consistently at sixty percent, that's like better than Cobblade, you know? Like, yeah. So yeah. what what I, what I see for this uh, Luca Yorian deck is that it's going to be basically like Simic Oko, like how powerful it is. And then decks are going to be playing, you know, main deck dispute, main deck casualties of war, stuff like that to answer it. They're going to be basically pre-boarding against these decks and then maybe it'll control it a little bit or it's just going to be proven to just be too busted of a deck and it's going to rise above it and then boom, we have the best deck. I mean, I I don't, I don't, I don't think you can like even put a card like casualties of wars in the same league of a Yorion to fairy ECD deck. Like I have been beating those decks. Now I do uh, somebody e- in my ECD Discord, being Elspeth conquers death. For people, yes. Thank, you know. thank you for the clarification. Yeah. so if you all want to hear something dope, um, <laughs> I don't know how good this deck is, but I want to explore the strategy. Now, somebody in my discord, I should go. Now this is the MTG melee discord. I have like a group that I'm doing and, 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 and talking to people about standard. Now I, I'm not gonna be able to find the name. Now I should have had this prepped. They're playing a soul tie deck. Now I, I have the deck list, but so they here play, we go again. Now, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know if it's any good, but so it, it plays the new Vivian. Now what it does with the Vivian is if your Vivian's in play and it lives through an else with the conquer dice, which doesn't, isn't going to happen that often. But if it does live, you can minus its ability, which allows you to, um, when you cast a creature, search your library for a creature that costs less and, yeah. and put it into play. They're, they minus it, play agent, triggers, goes, gets Yorok, which doubles your trigger, and then you just get two agent triggers. So if you <laughs> have it in play, you just get the double agent. I got I got wow. excited for a second when you were talking about a deck, but it's just another way to cheat. <laughs> just another way to cheat agent oh, into yeah, play. No, it's just except another it's agent a, cheating deck. Except it's a deck that can't cheat the play it 
come or the turn it comes into play. So yeah, that uh, doesn't seem great there, Bradley. No, but it runs like <laughs> removal to interact. It's pretty much just specific yeah. interaction, like you know, hand disruption counter spells to 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 get a turn where you might be able to actually Vivian and, and it live. I'm not saying this is tier. I'm just saying that that is a cool interaction. Yeah, um, and I mean honestly, we're seeing all these weird decks like that pop up now after Luca. Uh, agent has been discovered. Like I even saw like um, um, Peter, Piotr, not Piotr, Peter. Scott, he was our teammate. Yeah, Sucher. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, he posted a list with just a bunch of token generators in a four color shell um, that plays Winota and Luca and Casualties of War um, and just kind of just does everything. It's trying to trying to abuse Agent as much as possible by playing Luca and Winota. Uh, it looks absolutely outrageous, but you never know if these kind of decks are just going to just be the next hot thing. Is with that Luka, a 60 you know? card deck? No, it's an 80 card deck with your in. 80, 80 card seems weird with Winota and and Agent. Yeah, I mean, it it, it definitely could be. Uh, um, but then I looked at his like an hour later screenshot and he just, you know, obviously has all of his opponent's permanence and is crushing, but. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's so so that's just it. The problem is, is this is kind of annoying, and I think that Yorian, if I had to pick a card that might hit the ban list fast, it is. I don't know. There's a lot actually. This format is kind of miserable um, with like Agent Yorian stuff. Like there is some yeah. healthy. There's healthy potentials in there, but cards like Fires Yorian are are both enabling some very degenerate strategies. So you think Yorian has a chance to get banned? Uh. I mean, I don't want to just go down this banhammer talk, but so, this format yeah. is not healthy and yeah. something is wrong with it. And I hope the people that have better data than us can look at things and try to figure out and have a good conclusion. That's the thing. Okay. Let's assume that it is beatable, though. Like, how would that look? Yes. Like, All right. So yeah. so there is there's the first one. Fight fire with fire. I think that Jeskai Winota. Um, after sideboard, well, first you can cheat your agents into play faster um, because you can get them down on, you can get some token or some non-humans into play on turns one, two, and three, play Winota, get a couple agents, game's over. So, so you do it on turn four, right? Instead of turn yes, five. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you can yeah. fight fire with fire with that strategy. Also after sideboard, you get to bring in counter spells and they're a much clunkier deck. So after sideboard, you get four Domen's Veto, some Mystical Disputes. Now, could you just main deck counterspells in this deck? Like, is that an option? You could could main deck counterspells, but the issue with that is they're not going to be that good in other matchups because, like, Domen's Veto is kind of, you know, medium. I mean, if the metagame calls for it, you can do that. But, right, and the Teferis in the deck are actually kind of medium. Matt Sperling has four Teferis. You could also play, like, an Incubation so you can more often get to Winota. Yeah. and one one thing that should be mentioned about this Winota strategy is it does get absolutely shut down by Teferi, right? Like, can't you not bring in no. stuff with Winota? No, it just comes into play. Oh, Jesus. It shuts I thought, down I thought Teferi you by them. allowing them to attack the Teferi. Oh, God. Okay. No, yeah, you do not cast mind. them. They just automatically come into play. Um, That's right. But so that That's... is one of the strategies that I think can be good. A very focused team of reclamation deck, I think, is poised to be good there. Now, the thing is, is you have to make a very focused team of reclamation deck. Um, the the first versions of the deck in this format were running for night uh, night pack ambushers, but then the that transitioned to an opt um, Uro strategy that was getting popularized. Um, 
that that was the threat in the main deck and it had counter spells. That was when like Lurus was more popular. Yeah. Because, and then, but now we're starting to see the format going away from aggressive decks. And so I think that the best team of Reclamation build is um, probably not having any of that stuff in your deck and going back to more hard counters um, and making, making the expansion explosion very much your plan A and maybe mm -hmm. even going back to like a few night packs and a new, a few, uh, frilled uh, mystics, frilled mystics and, yeah. and going back to a build like that. So I'm talking two negates four mystical disputes, uh, maybe even a few more, uh, counter spells in the main deck, having all four, um, having all four negates in your 75, having four night pack ambushers in your 75 so that you can beat the Dovin's veto holdups. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, <clears throat> that's the way that I would start approaching, um, my team of rec. I would probably be losing a lot of equity against aggressive decks and having to make that up after cyborg. Yeah. Just from, uh, no, I think, from I think that sounds great. Yeah. From a theory perspective that, that makes a ton of sense. Like Uro is going to be a really sick card against like aggressive decks, you know, with just the, the, like the, the nature of how it works in general, but mm -hmm. If you're playing against a deck that's beating the crap out of you with these like five and four or five mana plays and that also can't play counter spells in their deck due to the nature of how fires works, like the way to it does seem like the way for a deck like this to exploit them is to just counter their stuff, you know? And yeah, like, it's still a sorcery speed uh, fires deck, you know? I mean, it is exploitable. It's just it's very powerful as well, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so and so that's the way also. um you know, having to figure it out because one of the one of the compromises, if you played Frilled Mystic, you you shouldn't play Blast Zone, and Blast Zone's actually very good against Teferi and all of these Obosh decks and Luris decks because it just cleans up all their one drops. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it makes sense against Obosh. You know, they can yeah, they're really limited on the mana cost they can play. Blast Zone seems great. Yeah, but I think I think right now you just have to sacrifice your aggressive elements and just play it in the sideboard. I'm I'm going to work on a list of that. Actually, by the time this goes up, I'll have probably streamed. This deck that might be my my deck of the the of for for tonight's streaming, uh, working on Team Erect that seems great. But that's a way to attack it. Um, I saw a Blue Eye Control deck that did well, but that again I don't think is good. I think that's just too small of a sample size. Other than that though, um, the o I heard Obosh, um, Red Black Obosh has a good matchup. I, I did see it won the standard challenge last weekend. Um, Eric Froelich is usually always aggressively leaning on the cutting edge of beating the deck one. I think, you know, like yeah. he, 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 he's not great at just playing the best deck and taking it to a tournament, not saying that he can't play it. I'm saying he has a flaw. It's not his style. He like, it's not his style to take yeah. the best deck and master it. He always wants to find the next thing to beat it. Yeah. And more often than not, his, his archetype and deck choice is spot on. Um, of he's really good at, 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 at identifying what's good against different decks in a format he's that's yes. something he's great at and so if he's playing a deck it's probably because he has identified that it beats some other deck so yeah. yeah yeah and so he played the rakdos obosh deck uh and and had like a 10-4 finish in last week's mfo um and and so like that deck and did really good against Yorian deck so i think that magic those... fest online for people who are sorry yeah magic fest online um, and are you positive on that? I'm pretty sure he played the mono black version. Oh, maybe he did. Yeah, he played the the Aaron Barrage deck, the thing that I played for E League. 
Um, and personally, I, I know the red black sacrifice list you're talking about, Brad. And while I, I, I think they are interesting, that and the mono black Obosh list just do not beat the Luka deck. It's it's just a myth. You know, it, okay. it really I, I really don't think three drops that are supposed to be good are good against the four Elspeth Cogger's death blink it out strategy, especially when you have Shatter. Shatter of the Sky is just absurd against them. Um, so I, I'm not a believer. I don't think that's a good way to attack it personally. So, Corey, do you think there is a an aggressive deck that does attack this deck or get under it or no? I I do. I mean, one deck that is scary to play against is the, the cycling deck, you know, the one that took second place at the weekend championship to Oliver too. Um, he expressed it on his Twitter, how much he was not excited to play against it. He said he lost a ton to it. He even had a transformational sideboard plan where he was taking out agents and he was bringing in dream trawlers just as something um, to be able to, to, you know, just gain some life because eventually they have these Zenith flares that you just really can't answer very effectively. You have to leave in your shatter of the skies to be able to deal with the valiant rescuer plan um, when they just go wide on you. And then you do you bring in Dovin's Vetoes to try to do that, but your Fires of Invention are really good against them because you get to play so many spells um, and maybe you can just snowball over them. So it puts the deck at, at a very odd place where you don't know exactly how to sideboard and they can just have these flourishing Fox draws where they just get, get you dead really quickly. Now, I don't necessarily think that deck is great against every deck in the metagame and I think specifically red-black decks uh, are going to get beat pretty badly um, or are going to beat down pretty badly against the cycling decks. But I do think the cycling decks are favored against the Luka decks. And it's a matchup I'm never excited to play. It is winnable, but it, it is something I'm not excited to play against. So it sounds it sounds like the, the best ways to go at this like uh, fires deck is to either exploit the fact that they're playing expensive sorceries via like counter magic and stuff. Um, or, or to kind of cheese them out, honestly, like, yeah, I don't, that's where I'm at. You know, I mean, some kind of flash strategy I think would be really good right now. If shark typhoon didn't exist, like that just shuts that deck down just full heartedly, you know? So, I mean, counter spells with pressure is what you want. And I mean, that would be team Rec focused on the, the flash side of it. Or, you know, the cycling decks that get to play counters post-board, they're okay. Even just the Boros version itself, though, is doing what you said, Brian, just cheesing them out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, yeah. One of the things I've, I've, I've discussed in the Discord with someone is the strategy for Team Iraq against these decks. It's to have patience and not walk into things. And that strategy means that, like, it's just a, you know, a, a draw-go style game plan. Mm-hmm. And and it's not really competable from the the uh, the Yorian side. Like they will always be able to Dovin's veto your thing, but you can just draw go and gain card advantage. And draw go and playing uh, night pack. You know, playing the enchantment whenever you can sneak that in wilderness reclamation, and then just playing night pack ambusher. You look at all these Lucas sideboards, and they're playing mystical dispute and Dovin's veto as their sideboard plan. So. I mean, Nightpack Ambusher sneaks in quite well. I'm I'm personally playing a couple disdainful strokes to try to go around that, but I know that's not the norm right now. Well, yeah, I I do think that 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 team of rec built to beat this deck has a good chance of being good this weekend. So, yeah, I agree. So, so let me add, like one last question then in that regard. Do you think it would be possible to beat the, these decks um, by not by cheesing them out or by exploiting their weaknesses, but 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 just trying to power through them normally 
uh, with a bunch of mediocre cards across three colors and a hand disruption. Okay, well, is, I have a question. I have a question for you. Yeah, okay. Is, <laughs> is one of those colors blue? Yes. Is another one of those colors white? Yes. Oh, I got it. Is, is the last one black? Yes, it is. Okay, yes, I it is. Oh, I have a question. Okay. I have a question. Um, <laughs> is, is Eddie Precinct in need of a hero? Uh, I'll tell you one that's not in need of a hero because they found one, and that's the first that, Precinct. <laughs> now, Brian, now I, tenth the the tenth precinct that that precinct is just straight fucked. Okay, I would but. I would actually <laughs> I would actually love for you to no longer no longer look into the standard metagame for metagaming purposes. Okay, and construct an Esper hero deck. Okay, and actually On just it? and and just <laughs> do one more stream. Where you just go in with limited information and see what it's like in this in the standard format. So I need to con- <laughs> I need to contact Marshall Sutcliffe then. Uh, and and why is that? You said For I'm coming in, resources? coming in with oh! limited information. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, oh, I, I would God. I would I would love to consume that content of you just being like, oh hey everyone, I just came out of my hole. Oh here's my old es- here's my last Esper hero deck on my account. Let's go to battle. Funny thing it can't about, be that difference, right? <laughs> funny, funny thing about that is I've been planning this for actually quite some time to do exactly that, and I know, and I haven't even talked to Brad about this. This is oh not pre planned. Really? Oh no yeah. way! Oh god! Oh, I'll yeah. throw us up! Oh. I'll throw us up for sure. <laughs> oh, that'll be so much fun! I can't wait to watch that. Oh. But I hate to tell you, Brian, uh, Esper Heroes dreams and hand no, no, disruption no, 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 affect. No, 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 no. Oh, save don't. it for the stream. Yeah. Save it for the stream. <laughs> Whoa, I was just going to say, is that a very good place right now? Oh, and you should totally play it. Awesome. I'm excited about it, man. Uh, right. Only problem <laughs> that I've been running into, with I've been mulling this idea over. The only problem I've been running into is I'm currently bronze four. So <laughs> I'd have to work my way up to, you know, whatever, at least Why? diamond. Yeah. Because if I'm if I'm playing bronze four, I'm going to just be playing against people's like non- Esper hero decks? Yes, I'm gonna be playing S for Hero mirrors the entire day. I want to be more fun. Oh yeah, no, I think I think you'd be right at home at Bronze Four with that. <laughs> Thank you. I think I, I can get to Bronze I, Three, maybe Bronze Two. I totally think being that 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 low on the ladder is fine for for a stream of you playing Esper. It's just for fun. <laughs> And also, honestly, it would be funnier if you had not actually tested your deck at all and you would just go in for bright, bushy-eyed at bronze four. Well, it's certainly accurately rated, but... Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. But yeah, so those are the ways that I think that the deck should be attacked this weekend. Also, there's no... If you're trying to win something, if you're qualified this weekend, um, there's... There's you can just play this deck. It's th- there will be people attacking you, but just make sure you have plans for it um, mm-hmm. and or try to have the best plans for it. And one of them for the technology is, uh, you know, the, the the winning deck list had the two dream trawlers and four fire uh, omen of the forge and the sideboard. But I've been seeing people putting omen the forge in the main and um, Seth Manfield suggested playing glass class glass casket in the sideboard as the removal spell, because that actually gets the the cycling wolf um, or fox or whatever um, from the cycling deck, uh, even if it gets yeah. to three on turn two. That's the issue with it. If you're on the play with that, you can play it on turn one and cycle twice. You have a wild in the cattle. 
Yeah, the card is, I've been loving is Solar Blaze, though. Solar, say? yeah. Yeah, what does the fox say? Okay. I've been really loving Solar Blaze, though. I, I mean, I think it hits that entire deck. I mean, it kills every single creature they have, and all your creatures live. Solar Blaze has been insane for me in that matchup. Corey, that's like, you're like a little, t- you're like two weeks too old on playing that card, though. Yeah, yeah. Why? That's fair. April 20th has already passed. Oh, solar blazing. I get oh, it. Oh, yeah. I get Impressive. it. I get it. Impressive. Got more where, I got more where that came from. And, and on that note, that is going to end the show today, everyone. Yeah. Um, so so before we go, um, we we just want to catch up with everyone and what they've been doing and, and things like that. Now, we kind of burned Corey, so I won't make Corey go first this week. Yeah. Last week, we yeah. destroyed him. It we, was so funny, guys. It was we, so we ended, good. We ended that man's whole career, but you can find yeah. him on the Advantage Bar. Yeah. <laughs> Coming out in two weeks. <laughs> All right. So so, so to, to wrap up the show, we've got some life updates for everyone, if anyone has anything to share, along with our cast and crew. Um, I'll go first for life updates. Okay. I just started launching YouTube content. Oh. I did. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I yeah. did see your YouTube bumper that you shared on stream, and holy crap, is that nice. Yeah, that is nice. Now, all I have to yeah. do is make sure that the content is okay, and we have gold. Um, <laughs> but, um, but nice, yeah. though. Uh, what was that, Brian? Uh, I was going to say that I've also recently released YouTube content. This is not <laughs> a joke, but I, uh, I I posted a video of uh, of farming crocolisks in Zulgarub as a warlock to YouTube. No, you didn't. I did, actually. Wait, <laughs> yes. What? what? I, I, made a, I made a separate account for it, and it's a private video, but I did oh, actually. Wow. I made a 20-minute uh, YouTube video about War- World of Warcraft, so we're both on the YouTube content, Brad. Dude, that is gas. I yeah. didn't know that. I want to yeah. watch your video. Okay. That's I'll, for I'll, our advanced Patreon right there. I'll link you the video. Yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. So, but yeah, so I launched uh, Magic Content. That's going to be, uh, I stream every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at 4 p.m. Now that's my schedule, Pacific time. And then um, I might actually have to change that for Wednesday since you're on E-League, or I might just ignore E-League. I don't know what I'm supposed to do on that. Yeah, but. I would um, say, do you? Yeah. You know? And then yeah. my VODs, my VODs will be uh, going up the next days on YouTube. They're edited by our wonderful podcast editor, Jonathan. Um, is this our heavy editor or a regular editor? This is our regular <laughs> editor. Okay. Um, and then and then those are edited down to just the best uh, matches of the nights. And then we'll also be posting on YouTube any tournaments that I play from MTG Melee tournaments. I have one this Friday, actually. I'll be streaming at 11 a.m. tomorrow, I guess, for people that are listening to this. A, a tournament where I can re- get revenge on Lavunga. Nice, nice. Yeah. And, and I bet he plays Wilderness Reclamation. Yeah, I probably will too. <laughs> yeah, it's smart, smart. I think I'm just going to play the most like I can't beat aggressive decks game one, but I fight everything else well game one, yeah. and then just have all of like my sideboard is just going to be flame sweeps, scorching dragon fires, uros. <laughs> you know, like maybe a shock. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'll have no, a blast I think it's zone in the, I might have a blast zone in the sideboard where when I take frilled mystics out. Like I don't know. I'm Why do you have Uros in the sideboard for aggressive matchups? I already did. That's I just said Uro. Oh, uh, you, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bringing bringing Uros, uh, scorching dragon fires, flame sweeps are like going to be like ten of my sideboard cards. Aether gust twelve. You know. Yep. 
Hey, um, I mean, I, I think that's what decks have to do for Luca. You're going to play against that deck probably 50% of the matchups, I would imagine. So. In competitive events, I do think, well, at least I think yeah. like 20 or 30%. If a deck ever, if a Luca deck gets above 20%, then, then 25%, then that's going to be absurd. It, decks never I, hit that high. I think it will. Well, I think you're saying that from inexperience. It's not, no insult from me, Corey, but like every time anyone says a deck is busted, like, it's still mm. only a small amount of the, like it's still only 20 to 30% of the field max. This is also coming from Brad Nelson, who said Yorian is tier two, not only two weeks ago, Bradley. Your deck was tier two. The, hey, the, that the, wasn't Yorian, Corey. That was your. We Yon. were talking <laughs> about companions in a vacuum, and you said Yorian is tier two. Go back to the podcast two weeks ago and listen, and we'll prove Brad wrong. All here. right, find it. All right. <laughs> I can't. I gotta wow. save it for we the are, cast. We are really uh, trying to get people to listen to our back episodes. Yes, <laughs> it's not gonna work, but it's a valiant effort on our parts. So. All right. So, Thank any, you. any other Thank life you. updates from either of you before we get to our cast and crew? Uh, quick life update. Thanks to Brad's special purchase, I I, I can't go oh. to I can't go to Denny's uh, restaurant because I am not named Karen and I don't live in Michigan. But fortunately, Brad got an industrial coffee maker for our house, so I can bring the Denny's wow. to me, and it's great. It's wonderful. So. Yeah. Wow. I, well, uh, my 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 like you know thirty dollar coffee coffee maker was like getting a little shitty and making like it was starting to make grindy noises and and they they always fit, seem to break after a year. And I I don't know if it has to do with just being stuck in the house or whatever, but I'm like fuck it. And I looked up these reviews for like a. I'm not gonna lie, a $250 coffee maker. Um, just just coffee. It's not like an espresso maker or anything. It's just fucking regular coffee. It's literally coffee. the one that you would see at a Denny's. I'm it not is. joking. It is actually just wow. yes. yes. It is. It is. <laughs> um and and we just got that set up. So so now we have, you know, coffee, you know, every day. Very we have easily. coffee 24 hours a day, and I mean that literally. <laughs> 24 <laughs> with how much coffee we're drinking it's 24 hours so well yeah. that's impressive well yeah. no that's i mean impressive. but yeah it's 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 kind of absurd i wonder if anyone knows this because this is something i have to figure out if so if we keep it plugged in at all times it keeps the water hot but i wonder how much electricity that burns if i should just keep it off or or turn it off or or what have you because now thinking about it we probably didn't need this. <laughs> <laughs> but did you want it, Bradley? Yeah, that's but I the, don't even know if we're supposed thing. to have it because the water stays in there for all that water will be in there for 24 hours before we use it again. I think it's fine. I mean, yeah. it's water. So, yeah, so it should just be fine. <laughs> yeah, it um, should be fine. But yeah, anyway, that's it. Uh, we, we now brought the Denny's to Brian. Thank but you. the thing is. Uh, the next the next adventure I'm going to go on when we have to venture out to the world is to get a lot of, you know, healthy produce and perishables, because what I want to bring to Brian next is the Ruby Tuesdays. Mm, oh, nice. dang. Yeah. That's I mean, someone's got to bring Ru someone's got to bring Ruby Tuesdays back. <laughs> oh, I miss Ruby Tuesdays so much now. I miss restaurants. Me too. Yeah, me too. Me too. Same. Honestly, yeah. the like the thing that I miss, this is just I know this is sound stupid or whatever, but. The thing that I miss the absolute most about this this whole thing is just going to like Outback Steakhouse and then going to watch a movie. Like yeah. I just want to mm. do that so bad. And it's, I know it's such a just a, like a little minor thing. It's not even like a big deal, but it's like 
I that that's just what I'm craving right now. It's well, just did, yeah. Did, did yeah. y'all did y'all hear about how Trolls World Tour might have changed the movie industry forever? I did. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah. Yeah, Corey. So so get this. So when when the pandemic pandemic started and all of the movie theaters were shutting down, most yeah. of, most of the uh you know the move the movie maker industry or whatever just pushed back their movies to whenever. Yeah. Like um, but but not tr- not not Trolls World Tour. They no. said, fuck it. We're just pushing this straight out to video on demand streaming right away. You buy it, you know, just threw it up. And, yeah. and a lot, you know, they, they don't want to do that because you just buy it once and you have it instead of, you know, having to take a family of four out, which is cost $40 plus popcorn plus whatever, you know? Yeah. So, so it costs more, but they're whatever. I don't know what their price was. I'm guessing 20 bucks. They just threw it up. It's made a hundred million dollars already. Wow. Yeah, just something to entertain the masses. It I made guess, way huh? more money than if they had just sent it to theaters. That's what they thought, yeah. From what they are were expecting, yeah. And so, and wow. now and now this might be because everyone has all their kids at home and they're stuck at home, so they're like, let's give them a new movie. And so there's a lot of variables that like are hard to quantify for what this would be like not during a pandemic and everyone's in quarantine. But there is a chance, and also this is the other thing, is the uh the Academy Awards opened up non-theatrical releases to to be um, potentially a category, to win, a, yeah. a category um, which has never yeah. been done. To be able to win. Mm. To be able to win, yeah. Sorry, not yes. a category, but yes. Yeah, um, to be able to win. So, so there is a chance that Tr- Trolls World Tour will ha- shake up the movie industry more than any other movie. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. I mean, well, it's not awesome, but... You know, it's kind of crazy that a uh, global pandemic is 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 what it takes for uh, entrenched industries to give up their exploitative ways. But, hey, I'm all for it. So um, wow. I will say it's really interesting. Yeah, I will say that I did watch. I, I, I have seen Trolls, too, and I don't remember it being that good of a movie. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised it made a hundred million dollars with its world tour. But, uh, hey, whatever. <laughs> Wow. Just, Impressive. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw it made a hundred million and my first response was, Oh my, my God. God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Nilbog is just goblin spelled backwards. Oh my God. Could have, should have seen it coming. All right. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's get to the casting crew. Now and every, every episode we've already, we've already pitched to our patron once to, to talk about the, the pre-show, but also if you are uh, our valued $5 tier, you become part of our cast and crew on each week. We have to shine a light on our wonderful staff of cast and crew that, that help us keep the show running week in and week out without delays. Never miss a beat. We never miss an episode, never miss anything. Right guys. Right. But can I just point out how you guys double daggered me on the things that I'm doing? You know, first, first you tell me to start and then you say, oh, we don't have anything. And now you just don't even ask what I'm doing. You <laughs> had real cool. time. You had real ample fucking time. cool. I already did ask. I asked both of you. Brian brought something up. You didn't bring something up. What do you got, diva? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, not much for me this week, though. But thanks for asking. Great. All right. Casting crew time. <laughs> First up, Brian, who do we got? Uh, first of all, we got EJ Wren, who had a big hand to say in the conversation we just had. Yeah. Corey, he's Corey's down player. When Corey yeah. becomes a bit of a diva, we need EJ to take him back down to, to you know, the, the level. 
So yeah. Now, yeah. now, uh, now, uh, our next one, uh, Alex. You know, this episode we had a lot of statistics, right? We had um, some stuff that we talked about from the formats from the MTG melee. We said sixty percent at one point. That was yeah, a statistic. Sixty percent, forty percent. Corey is on a show called Advantage Bar that talks about statistics. <laughs> um, but those numbers don't get crunched on their own. No. Alex Arnaldi, our data analyst, yep. crunches all those numbers to tell us which ones we should talk about and which ones we shouldn't talk about. Well, yeah. so when it comes to analyzing the data, there's some data that goes into a podcast. There's a lot of data that goes into the pre-show. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Alex Arnaldi really had a, a heavy hand in a lot of the backdoor analyst uh, content that we had for the pre-show. That is for sure. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Much like the Hobbit movies. Yeah. Much like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was right, what next... we would call the desolation of Smaug going on in there. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Corey, who's, uh, who's up next? Uh, it was really two hot takes, really, was what it was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> our, next, uh, our next member of the cast and crew is Paul Kak Zaroski? I think I nailed it. I cannot believe you don't remember this. You were very close, actually, but you were wrong, so... Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. But the one person that isn't wrong is Paul, because he takes some of the greatest BBD wall-staring photos that I have ever seen. Also the only ones. They're also the only ones. They are. Also the only one, but still really high quality. All right, next up we got... Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I was just going to say, and also if you join our Discord, you will see a very interesting wall-staring rendition of the endgame. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was nice of you, BBD. That, that must have looked like a tough shoot to do. <laughs> it it did. It was tough. <laughs> but it was made all the easier by Spoon Tongue, BBD's hairstylist. Mm-hmm. So... You know- I'm still I'm still getting so sick of you having all of these people that 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 weighed on your hand and foot and I got I got no one. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I was I was going to correct you, but no, that's 100% correct. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah I got no BBD BBD is the real diva though here, so we really need to appease him. Yeah, I I hate, you know. Okay, but let's move on to somebody who doesn't who's not about me in any way. We got David yeah. Watt who's the special guest screener. Yeah, Dave, <laughs> David Watt <laughs> picks the special guest for every episode. Does a phenomenal yeah. job, a real stand-up job. Well, um, we actually pick them, but but David screens them. And for whatever reason, everyone we throw at them comes back with a negative review. Yeah, a I lot of them do. It's like, I don't know if it's like our audience will relate to them. That's a lot of them. Some of them are just like, this person really hasn't done anything in a while. Um, mm. And But for some reason, they're like, this this Brian guy, he's testing well. Right. He's testing he's, well. He's testing well in, in audience polls. The Very uh, active in the community. We, we do poll our audience, all one member. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of like an animal farm screening process. Like, uh, all candidates test horribly, but some test less horribly than others, and that tends to be me, so. <laughs> and that's how we get Brian. That makes sense to me. Yeah. All right, next up, we got Victor Beauchamp, who is our executive producer. Now, what a producer is, is all things bro-like, which include, and are not, but are not limited to, waking up. Hey, going to bed. you don't wake up if you stay up 24 hours a day drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what you guys have been doing now with your new coffee maker. Now, right? I, I got to point out a little bit of hypocrisy here. I hate to call somebody out, but I one of the members of this podcast said that none of these casting crew were related to them. 
and then moments later discussed in an executive producer who is in fact related a role to that's specified for them specified specifically for them. So yes, you know, I don't, I won't point fingers, but throwing it out there. Yep. And shocking that our next member of the casting crew is once again, specialized directly for Brian. And that is symbol, our executive waste management operator. Honestly, symbol has been working a lot with Brad lately. So yeah, <laughs> with, with, with all that coffee that the boys have been drinking, it is a uh, heavy duty for symbol here. That is, is for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. We got Rabid Chicken, the vice president of video operations. Also a very valuable role uh, for those who watch the podcast in video form and who don't uh, listen to it. So. Look, let's be real. I actually want to start doing videos and making that a Patreon tier. I'm just going to say it. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm on board. We've, we've already got the infrastructure here. We're just we're just wasting it with symbol. Not, you know, waiting. He's been built. You know, they've been building this up for us. Like, let's actually do this. Well, Brad, I mean, rabbit chicken is the VP. We do need a president of video operations if we're going to do that. Uh, we do. We do. Yeah. So. Hmm. All right. That's good. Yeah. With rabbit chicken being the VP of video operations, I think I think we need that. But next up, we got Jerry Majeldi, who is the assistant to the assistant regional manager. Now, what that means is they will assist all the assistant regional managers that we have set up all over the world. But to do that, we need more cast and crew. So join Patreon.com to support the Bachelors podcast now. Especially if you have a name like Jer Michelle. <laughs> we'll never pronounce your name correctly. And you'll yeah. never tell us whether we're pronouncing it correctly or not. Yeah. Just, or and another happy with the job that you're doing. Yeah, we don't know yeah. anything, actually. And another person that I will butcher the name on is Sultan Abbasi. And that is our heavy editor. So he will have to, he or she will have to edit it, edit out me mispronouncing their name every single week. Uh, it's a, it's a full-time job. Mm. It's, it, it, yeah. Once it, a week, it, full-time job. <laughs> it's, it's a full-time job and uh, mispronouncing is a full-time job. Unfortunately, I, we have one member of our cast who's yeah. very keen on it. So. We record oh, this yeah. episode on Wednesdays. It goes up Thursdays, but then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, still a full-time job. Yeah. Still <laughs> yep. stuff to do. It's, we, we are 24 7 Seven days a week here at the Bachelor's Podcast. We don't record this shit and then completely forget about it for an entire week. No. Yeah, no. 100%. We are focused on this exclusively all week just for you, our beloved fans. I may have a lot of shows that I'm involved in right now, but I am never stopping thinking about the Bash Bros Podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> And I never start thinking about the Bash Bros podcast. <laughs> Next up is Pierre Vendelbo. Uh, he is our BBP companion. Unfortunately, companion rules text can't be played from the sideboard. So, mm, yeah. So, what, that's you know, an important job. What would you say you do here, Pierre? Uh, good question. All right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of like uh, Brian and I living together. We are roommates, but. We don't really interact that often. No. <laughs> wow. Wow. You guys need friendship counseling or something. We do. We, I want to watch a movie soon. Okay. Yeah. Can we well, go, save it for the cast. Can we go to Outback Steakhouse first? <laughs> we can drive by it. Okay. I'm down to do that. I'm, I, I just want to get like, I just want to look at it, gaze upon it. <laughs> oh, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Oh, wait. I don't even know if we're allowed to do that. Is it essential? We can look at it. We can drive it by it. Can we drive if it's not essential? 
I don't think so. Oh, uh, maybe of not. Of course you can. Maybe. Anyway, of course you can. No, we have different laws here, buddy. Oh, right. I'm not your buddy, guy. <laughs> Next up is Time Ghoul, who is our manager. And yes, we just got pinged by Time Ghoul to keep the, the flow going because uh, we were getting off course. But thank you, Time Ghoul, for always being there to keep us in line. Yep. Yes. And Eric Nall always keeps us in line with where the dumpster should be parked because Eric Nall is the dump truck. And that dump truck, Eric Nall, was here today. <laughs> just so you all know. Yes, yep. yes. Yeah, really backed ourselves into that one. All right. Uh, we got IPA for breakfast, beep, our beep, beep. master bartender. Yep. Sorry, I was making a backup joke. It was it was poor. Yeah. Yep. IPA for breakfast definitely works hand in hand with Victor Beauchamp as our executive producer and our master bartender. Now, we have not had any parties due to the... the uh, the, the issues at hand, but once we get released and we are all able to get together, I know IPA for breakfast is going to throw one hell of a party. But I personally have been having a lot of IPAs for breakfast, though, during these uh, quarantine times. Good times. Yeah, once <laughs> yeah, once once we're once things are lifted for sure, we're gonna be we're gonna be partying like it's 1983, maybe 1984, depending on Ooh. the state of our government. So yeah. Yeah. or 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 what 1917, depending on the state of our government. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the Bachelors Podcast. We'll be back next Thursday, like always, with another rousing. Something other. I don't know how to end this well, but we'll be back with some cool topics. And that was our show. And now yep. it's time for us to do our other stuff. And I hope you're all staying safe and happy. And I hope that this was a bright little snippet of the time that you are having. And be safe, be healthy, be happy. Yep. And if our show's not rousing, it's at least arousing. Bye. All right. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>